I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all of your questions from the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Derek Ray. Ding! Derek, you've got mail. You've got mail. This one's from Ewan. It's true. All the mail here is for Derek. It's nothing for you, Andy. You love a rom-com. Indeed, you love a rom-com, indeed. don't you? Uh, this is from Ewan. Everyone seems to be already talking about Holland. I call him Holland, by the way. I can't mm. help it. Mbappe and or Bellingham for next year's Ballon d'Or. Does Harry Kane have a chance of spoiling the party if he keeps up his current form? Three hat-tricks, is it, so far? Three hat-tricks already in the Bundesliga, although in Germany the definition of a hat-trick is slightly different, but we'll stick to the the English English version. We won't go uh, into that rabbit hole. I think Harry Kane has a real chance. He should have a real chance, but I think it will depend upon what he does with Bayern in the Champions League. Now, of course, what he's already doing in the Bundesliga is quite remarkable, and he's very much in Gerd Müller-Robert Lewandowski territory in terms of what he's managed up to this point. Serhu Girassi, who has also started magnificently, has been injured. But I think it will come down to the Champions League and you know, perhaps as well you've got to, to look at England and that factor as well. One of the favourites, I think, for the Euros, I think it's fair to say. But um, there's a tendency now, I think, with the Messi-Ronaldo rivalry you know, coming to an end just in terms of their uh, respective ages. And so there's a temptation to look at the younger players like Bellingham and like Holland. But yeah, I would say don't rule out Harry Kane, but certain things would have to work in his favour. Well, I think the fact that we're discussing between like four contenders straight off, it, it does, as Derek says, sort of hint at a, a vacuum really post Messi and Ronaldo because the, the Ballon d'Or was their property, wasn't it, for, for, for over a decade? Um, give or take 2018 and, and, and Luka Modric. So I think Kane is really interesting to frame in this um, discussion. I'm glad you and brought, brought it up because I think Kane, strangely, is a little bit underrated 
for the status of, of, of player he is. Now, I think because he's having this sort of honeymoon in, in Germany, not that I think German football fans didn't know he was a good player or Bayern fans didn't know he was a good player before, but I think you appreciate a player on a different level when he's playing in your domestic league every week or when he's playing at your club every week. And Bayern's cane moon has just been something that they've they've absolutely loved. It's funny because I remember speaking a couple of years ago about Harry Kane when he was really flourishing under Pochettino. And I'm not saying he's quite on the same level as Messi and Ronaldo. And, you know, it'll all be easier to judge when they're all safely retired. But I think he does deserve to be in a similar discussion to Ronaldo and Messi, simply because he just plays a relentless amount of matches. The other thing that... I think puts him in the same sort of bracket as Messi and Ronaldo. It's the fact that if you look at what he's done for Bayern this season, describing it by the numbers, the numbers are extraordinary, but describing it by the numbers, it's almost a bit vulgar. You know, it's everything he's been able to do in his all-round game, on and off the field, they're super impressed with him on the dressing room. He's 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 being let into the uh, senior team committee, which, seeing as he hasn't even mastered the language yet, I think shows you the sort of respect that that he has. Do you think though that he would have been even being talked about in terms of Ballon d'Or possibilities if he had had that same, uh, achieved the same at Tottenham as no. he's achieved? Yeah, no. why is that? That's interesting. Because well, they don't win stuff. Is that the difference? It, it, yeah, and it goes back to what Derek says. You know, we've been saying when we've been talking about the possibility of Jude Bellingham win, winning the Ballon d'Or next year, you know, oh, if he got the Champions League with Real Madrid and if he got the Euros with with England. But what if Harry Kane was to get the Champions League in the Euros? Th- then you're talking, aren't you? Derek, um, you see, when Harry Kane left for uh, Bayern Munich, a lot of people over here were saying that, oh, he's left because he wants to win something rather than... He wants to win the Ballon d'Or. They, we were thinking that he wants to win the Champions League, really, mm. wasn't it? Or even the Bundesliga. But here, I wonder whether the ultimate game is to make him the player that Andy talks of so reverentially that we under that we've underestimated whilst he's been at Tottenham. Yeah, I get the feeling with Harry Kane that this was sort of a, a life move, that this wasn't just a, a move to, to get silverware. That was probably part of it. But, I mean, he could have done that with a different English club and, and you know, it would stand to reason that, that that might fall his way. But I think just listening to him, I think he wanted to extend himself in a different way, in a new environment, uh, with a new culture as a club that's already very successful. I think he was intrigued by the whole thing, by the whole idea of doing something that, frankly, most English players don't do. It's much easier for an English player to stay in the comfort zone and to go to another English club and to uh, to have your pals close by. But, you know, he's been living in a hotel room while he's been doing all this. You know, he doesn't yet have a home in Munich. And so I think with him, it's almost a case of, OK, let's, let's make this move and see where it can take me because I have a feeling inside me that it can take me quite far and Andy's right I mean if you listen to Thomas Muller if you listen to 
the senior figures at Bayern, um, they love Harry Kane. They, they see him as a very positive influence, as somebody who has come in and not acted like Billy Big Time at all. He has come in, wanted to be part of it, and, and you know, doesn't know the language, may never truly know the language. You know, that it's a difficult language to master as an adult, but his influence comes in other ways, and he lets his football do the talking. I think even I underestimate him, uh, underestimated Harry Kane. I've always thought he's a great player. But I've seen, maybe I've been looking for it much more, but I've seen how he's brought Leroy Zane out this season. I've seen how he's set up other players, how he's selflessly performed. You know, he's not just about himself on the pitch. He's ultimately about the team. And it all speaks, um, you know, very highly for, for what Harry Kane can be going forward with Bayern. Ding, Andy, you got mail from Dara. <laughs> uh, what has happened to Benfica in the Champions League this year? It's been very disappointing, hasn't it? Um, four losses from four so far in a group that has Inter, Real Sociedad and Salzburg. It's a, a difficult but not impossible group, I think it's fair to say. Um, a few things have, have happened to, to, to Benfica. I think um, Roger Schmidt has suffered a bit from the transfer work that's been done for him. Of course, Gonzalo Ramos is, is gone, his centre-forward, which is is tough. But I think it's the, repla- the, the replacement with Artur Cabral, who um, is, is a decent striker, but he's nowhere near on the level of Ramos. And, you know, he's not a player who you think he's going to get loads better as well at the stage of his career he's on. He's, he's really not a Benfica-level striker for, for me and certainly not a doing-well-in-the-Champions-League-type um, striker. But really, it's all about that that forward part of the pitch, really, I think. Um, you know, they brought in Angel Di Maria, who is clear when he signed. Obviously, there was a lot of excitement about him coming back to the club. Um, but it was maybe a signing that they didn't necessarily need. So, obviously, he arrives and he's the best player in Portugal. Individually, he's he's started very, very well. But there's a lot of players in that team all of a sudden. If you add Di Maria to uh, Rafa, to David Neres, to um, João Mario, who scored so many goals from midfield last season. You've got a lot of players who don't really do anything when they haven't got the ball. And as we've seen with Paris Saint-Germain, that's a massive problem in the Champions League. You can't do that if you've got their quality of player, let alone you've got Benfica's admittedly excellent, but not quite A-plus elite level of, of, of player. So I was musing last night how sad it is really to see this be the ending to Angel Di Maria's Champions League career because he's a player who's bent Champions League finals to his will. You know, we're talking about underrated players. He has been one of the best players in the world for pretty much all of his career. Right, it's modesty uh, from him never, as well, though. Yeah, he, it's his demeanour as well. You're, yeah. you're right, totally. But um, for it to end like this, I think he could take up a, a, an extension, contract extension, and still be at Benfica next season, although I don't see them challenging or going deep in the Champions League any, any time in a hurry. It's a shame and it's, it's something that, unlike Jorge Jesus in the past, I think Roger Schmidt is really aware of how important this is to the club because Jesus just wanted to create his own legacy by winning loads of championships. He was a pretty Champions League agnostic for a lot of the time that, that, that he was there and he had some bad fortune in the competition. Whereas Roger Schmidt knows 
this is important to the history of Benfica. If seven out of 10 Portuguese, as they always say, support Benfica, it's because of what they did in the in the European Cup in the 60s. I think the other thing we have to say as well is that Inter are great this season. Real Sociedad are hugely improved. They look much more experienced than together in Europe. Salzburg is, is not the best side. So really, Benfica should have been looking at, at that third place. And who knows, maybe they could still get it. It's just from IP. Should we be excited about FC Copenhagen? Such a young squad full of talents and experienced players and those who perhaps watch them beat Manchester United uh, might be amused by the fact, uh, Derek, that the winner was scored by a certain Rooney. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, the answer to the question is we should be excited by them. I was actually working at the weekend with Bjarne Goldbeck, a former Danish international who's still involved in the football business, played for Chelsea once upon a time, amongst other clubs, played in the Bundesliga. And he was just talking to me about FC Copenhagen, saying, um, yeah, there are a few really good players there. And uh, he's in the agency business, so he, he keeps his eyes firmly affixed to that sort of thing. And they have a good goalkeeper in Camille Grabara as well, who, you know, probably not getting the plaudits from the, the Manchester United game so much, but he's bound for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga next season. Um, I, I think this is actually the lifeblood of the Champions League uh, in terms of of neutral interest. Um, yeah, okay, there are more Manchester United fans than there are uh, Copenhagen fans, and there are certainly more Manchester United fans than there are fans of most clubs. But you do need this kind of um, sort of risk that every so often you're going to get a game like this. It's going to go against the head. It's going to go for a team like Copenhagen. And, you know, I spoke earlier about the Dortmund, PSG, um, Milan, Newcastle group being the most exciting. This one is really interesting now with regard mm. to who comes out of it with Bayern. And um, that has really thrown the, the cat amongst the pigeons because Galatasaray, as we said, are quite good, I think. Um, so uh, who knows? Manchester United really must extricate themselves from from a horrible situation in that group. And yeah, Jakob Nestrup there, their coach, what really impressed me about when he was talking after the Man United games, he said, yeah, well, we have been second best in the group so far. You know, there's no being modest about it. He's, yeah. like, we should be up there. And um, I think that says a lot about his confidence as a as a young coach. Obviously, he, he came in when Torup, who's now in the Bundesliga, um, got binned. He was his assistant and he got promoted and then led Copenhagen onto the, the double last season. But I think what's interesting is what they've done in the transfer market um, this summer because uh, Haraldsson, um, the young Icelandic, they sold to Lille for quite a lot of money. And they've used that money, not splashing out on big transfer fees because you wouldn't expect them to spend seven, eight, ten million on, 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 on a player. But on wages, actually. Because you look at getting in um, El Yunusi, who has obviously been very important in the Champions League campaign so far. Experienced, still very good player. Uh, Berger Melling, who was doing well um, for, for a couple of different teams in France, in, in Nîmes and, and, and then in Rennes, before he, he, he came back to, to Scandinavia. Diogo Gonçalves, who is a player who I thought would be a bigger European club by now. If, if if I was perfectly honest. But as well, I think if you look at the balance between youth and experience that IP was was, was talking about, um, the, the experienced players, I, I think, are worth it. You know, you can see what they're giving to to the team and to, 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 the, to the squad. But if you look at Badaji, for example, born in Kuwait, Swedish citizenship, come through the Malmö Academy, and then when he was 15, they went over there and 
and got him Copenhagen. So their, their eyes are out, not just for the best Danish players, but for the best Scandinavian players. They've got a few good young Icelandic players, including obviously one that they sold for a lot of money last summer. So the scouting network is to, is to be respected. As they well, didn't I have think. to go far from Malmo, by the way, because um, you can get a train now from Malmo to Copenhagen. 15, 15 minutes from the airport. Yeah, I know. You couldn't in I've the old the, days. I've seen the bridge. You, you couldn't in the old days. I can assure you, you took a ferry across if you were lucky. Um, the question, though, is whether... And the nature of this Champions League format is that you can be... When you have a, a group where one particular team, Bayern in this case, uh, you know, have run away with it. They're polarised. They've gone through. Yeah. yeah the the yeah. next three then, you can either be at the bottom because if FC Copenhagen, as I would say, had beaten or had lost to Manchester United, they'd be at the bottom of the group. Whereas they're actually second um, to Bayern Munich at the moment. But they face Bayern Munich in the next round. And that is the question whether they get found out at that point or whether they can continue. I guess there are two sides to that, Derek. Uh, firstly, the fact that a Bayern are already through, so what sort of teams do they put out? Obviously, they have excellence on the bench. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Secondly, Copenhagen were really, really good in the first game against Bayern, I thought. Mm. Yeah, Sven Ulreich made a terrific save, as I recall, right at the end of that game. And yeah, I, I mean... Who's to say? I think this is the one thing that if you look at Galatasaray, look at Copenhagen, look at some of the games that Bayern have played in the group. They've they've won the matches, but um, it might be a different situation with regard to personnel here. Having said that, you know, somebody like Matisse Tell, if he were to start, you know, that's not a huge downgrade in, no. in the attacking positions there. Um, they might want to rest some of the players who've been injured a lot and, and introduce youngsters like uh, Franz Kretzig, players like that. But um, I, I think there will be respect uh, based on what we've seen from the Danes so far in this group. And uh, I'm quite excited about it, the, the, the overall finish in that section. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that word, excited, because that's exactly what IP asks. Should we yeah. be excited? We I would be. say you should be very hugger. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, you want to put your feet up for these ones, Andy, because they're... What about you, Derek? Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Derek? This is from Pete. What is Derek's favourite game that he's commentated on? Woo! Well, I was very lucky back in 2005. I was sent to Istanbul for the Champions League final between Milan and Liverpool. And I must confess, at halftime, I thought this could well be the biggest thrashing we've ever seen in a major <laughs> European final. And I was looking at my notes, trying to make sure I had in my head what that had been in the past. But of course, we got the comeback of all comebacks from Liverpool. 
And that was for the American audience on ESPN, as well as for viewers around the world. ESPN had rights in, in many different territories. But there are many Americans who still contact me to this day to say that was their introduction to big-time football because it was on during the day. A lot of these people were maybe students at the time. It happened to be live on ESPN. And when you have a game like that, you, you don't reasonably expect you're going to see drama like that in a major European final. And I'm not sure that we'll have that again in my lifetime. I, I, I don't think we will. So, yeah, Milan-Liverpool, I think, is always going to stand out as as the game of games as a commentator and just incredibly lucky to have been there in Istanbul to to convey it all. I apologise to add my little bit into this, but I watched the first half at my house. The second half, I was going to friends who were all Scousers, all Scousers. So I left my house at half time to drive 10 minutes up the road and I thought I was going to enter a house (laughs) full of sorrow. <laughs> anyway, they were laughing. They were—they were, they were just pleased to see you. Of course, they were. They <laughs> threw the best party for me on that night. Anyway, this is from Danny. What is it about German fan culture that mm. makes it unique? Because fans don't stop, do they, for the full ninety minutes and they're chanting, etc. I'm really glad Danny's asked that question because I do get asked this a lot. People say, "What? Well, why are you so obsessed with, with German fan culture? Why do you think it's better? I think it's better because I think it's more organic. And I think in Germany there are measures in place to make sure that that doesn't ever die. You know, you can't have a situation in Germany whereby a rich investor comes in and just buys up the club and then treats that club in the manner that, that he wants to treat it. And um, I think this is seen every single week at German venues, not just actually inside the stadium, but en route, on trains, you know, your your train fare in the local area or tram or bus, public transport fare as part of the ticket price. Tickets are kept at a certain price so that fans are not excluded. You know, I think it amazes a lot of people from the UK that you can go to Germany and stand behind the goal, if you can get a ticket for behind the goal and the Kurve for sometimes around 13 or 14 euro. You know, and so it doesn't have to cost the earth to watch the game. The fans are members, so they are active participants in the democracy. So they can call the office holders to account in a way that simply doesn't happen uh, in so many other countries. And I think this is why, again, we rave about the atmosphere. People go to German uh, stadia and rave about the atmosphere. This is why there is that atmosphere. It doesn't just happen by accident. The fans are actually participants. And the thing I like as well is the away fans um, in Germany are not treated as ogres quite in the manner that they are in England. I don't really like this sort of business of, oh, you point at the away fans, they are your enemy. In Germany, there's actually a lot of sort of collective thinking about who the enemy is. And it's usually not the fans at the other end because they're just like you. You know, they're just fans of their club in the way that you are a fan of your club. And you tend to reserve your ire for the authorities, you know. And this is why the Monday night games were scrapped in Germany because there were these mass protests. Everybody got together on it and decided we don't want Monday night football. It does not fit into the culture of German football. As a result, we don't have Monday night football in Germany anymore. And I think we're past that point in other cultures. So these are just some examples. And um, I, I think it's very much because the fan is at the forefront. The fan is a decision maker and everything stems from that. I think you just have to absorb that for a second. That the fans use their power 
to get Monday night games taken away because you know fans didn't want to take two half days off work on the on 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 the Monday and the Tuesday, and you know they they have lives to 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 get on with, and that's important too. And I think we heard Luke recently talking very eloquently on the the, the Ramble mailbag actually about especially after the Super League and the way that British fans or English Premier League fans in particular played a huge part in turning that around, in fending off that that threat, is still not an understanding really of what fans can do collectively here, of the power that we have. And really, you need to understand that, particularly in a post-COVID world, because at the very least, you need to look at it and say, actually, football is shit without fans. It's, it's not a spectacle at all. Even on television, it is not a spectacle without fans. And really, I think a, a, a lot more fans need to get on the same page as German fans, understand that, and make an effort to try and shape our game. But a lot of people feel that the horse has bolted and it's not really possible to do that. Well, you could argue that. I was going to say the comparison should be with pop stars. You know, a concert is not a concert without the fans. It's the mm. fans that make the flippy concert. But isn't it because of the unique way in which German football teams or football clubs are owned by the That's a part fans of it that as well. makes a difference? Yeah, they can do that. That, Whereas that is a definite part of it as well. We don't have that kind of a say, do we? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 is a definite part of it as well. And in in terms of ownership, as as, as Derek says, we're we're down a a very different route. But if they want to keep charging us money, they have to listen at some point. And we saw that with the Super League. And one more, Derek. What's the best individual performance that you've ever commentated on? This question is from Dave. Oh, I'm racking my brains on that one, Dave. Um, The one that is in my head actually comes from Ronaldinho's days with Barcelona, because at that time I was working for ESPN, they had La Liga rights, and Ronaldinho was in his pomp. And there was a game at the Bernabeu, I remember, when Ronaldinho just completely ran the show, and you know, was was embarrassing his his opponents from Real Madrid. And I'll never forget it. The fans at the Bernabeu, after one of Ronaldinho's goals, and actually forget how the game even ended, but it was a runaway in favour of Barcelona. After one of his goals, instead of booing their own team, they all got on their feet and applauded, or at least many of them did. And how often would you see that in one of the world's great football rivalries. There was an acceptance that they were watching greatness. And I think he'll always go down for me as a player who slightly gets lost in the sort of the Messi-Ronaldo thing because Ronaldinho was slightly before Messi in terms of when he developed. And uh, maybe I'm a bit biased because as a commentator, he gave me some of my best material and some of my finest memories. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Ronaldinho at the Bernabeu for Barcelona against Real Madrid. Go on, share one of those lines. (laughs) <laughs> one of those lines that he gave you. I, I think, um, I can't remember what I would have said on, on that occasion, but um, I certainly, with Ronaldinho, I, I, I think I, at Camp Now, I think I often, I often referred to it as, make no mistake, we're watching King Ronnie in his own courtyard, or something like that, you know. Um, there, there were certainly a lot, of, uh, a lot of plays on that with Ronaldinho. Thank you for listening to Ask OTC. Now, if you'd like to ask a question on next week's show, you can contact us at any time at Radio Dotson, at Andy Brassel, at Raycom, that's R-A-E-C-O-M, 
and at OTC Pod, or you can email us at OTC at footballramble.com. Derek, many thanks. Thanks for having me, Dalton. It was great fun, just as I expected it would be. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.